Venerable Master and Dharma friends, welcome to our Sutra Lecture tonight. This is the 6th, correct? 6th of July, Saturday night here in Berkeley, California. And we're explaining the Flower Garland Sutra, the Ten Grounds chapter. And uh, if you would turn to the front cover of your sutra text, please. We'll begin by reciting the name of the sutra and the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. Amo da fang wang fo to page 26 and 27 in your sutra text. We're down at the very bottom. The last stanza. Chinese first and then read the English and if you can't imagine reading Chinese words uh, we've, we've got the, the sounds in ABCs in, they're called Romanized, the Romanized versions of the Chinese characters down below and the marks on top of those um, phonetic spellings actually when we chant you don't pay attention to them, you don't chant a tone but if you were to, I'll read you that first line. Notice the first one drops down, it's zhu. So your voice goes zhu, so called a falling tone. The second one, ci, looks very strange. It's a t sound. Like it's t apostrophe s, only it's at the start. So it's tss, tss. That tone mark goes like that, like an upside down, like a V. 
，就此此此那个悠悠此多 d u o first tone straight across 多 ，so you just hold your tone. It's the first tone. 做 fourth tone like that. 做 and then uh third, four number y a n could be yan in 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 American we call that yan, but it's a、uh, yen. But the a could spell with an e. It'd be the same thing, and that's yeah. So you're, there's a little musical quality. If you, if you had a musical pitch, it, you'd see the, the the note would fall. Yeah, like that. Next one, tian. That's an interesting word because that's the word for God, and also for nature, and for sky, and for heaven. All those things are in that one word, tian, tian. And notice it's the a n is the same as yen. So the last y a n, the word before it, i a n. One is yen. One is tian. And then the the last word in the line has that upward rising, the rising tone. And it's the name of a word processor, isn't it? Only they kind of went out of business anymore. Wang, right? And a wang. I use a wang word processor.、Right? Well, it's not Chinese. Don't have an ah sound. No, no hard nasal a. It's Wang, very soft, very gentle, and it means king. So Wang is the word for king. Then it's the second to Wang, like that. So、uh, if I were to do it one by one by one, it would be Zhu Ci Duo Zuo Yan Tian Wang, like that. Only I'm doing them backwards, so I'd have to do them. Like that to give it for your perspective, right? Like that. So, Zhu, let's see, Zhu, Ci, Duo, Zuo, Yan, Tian, Wang. There you go. But when you chant, you don't do that. But music, the music of the melody sends the tones out the door. So, we just basically、uh, in in tone. So I'll give you the line, <coughs> and、uh, some of you still maybe. Think I don't do Chinese. Give me the English. So you wait. We're getting to the English. Here we go. All right. Here we go. Zhu ci duo zuo yan tian wang. Zhu ci duo zuo yan tian wang. Yu fa zi zai zhong cuo zun. Yu fa zi zai zuo zun. 浮华群生出恶间，群生恶间，转求佛知修善业，佛知修善业。啊、uh, ，Let's read together in unison. Ready? Here we go. Dwelling here, one is most often a Suyama heaven king, has mastery of dharmas. And is revered by multitudes. He teaches many beings to expel their evil views, intently seeking the Buddha's wisdom and practicing good karma. We're three verses from the end of the fourth ground of the ten grounds, and this is really the summary. This is the refrain of the whole long teaching, and. Within the Avatamsaka Sutra, the Ten Grounds chapter, of which there are forty chapters, is a story about bodhisattvas. It's an instruction manual. What a bodhisattva is, 
what a bodhisattva does, what they look like, how they behave. And within the ten grounds, each ground is a unit. Each ground is a pretty much a self-contained uh, set of instructions. And even though it's a unit and self-contained, in each one there are certain... Uh, what's the word? Um, conventions. There are certain habits and patterns that repeat, such as the second half is in verse, so we're in the verse form. And the very end tells you where the bodhisattva on each ground is reborn. In this case, the bodhisattva, as we know, can be in a human form, can be in a non-human form, something other than human. And sometimes the bodhisattva takes on the form of a deva. Deva, that's safe to call it a deva because to say it's a god, we, we have a lot of uh, energy invested in what god must look like. There's an Old Testament god, there's uh, gods from the Greek, the Greek myths, gods on Olympus. We have gods in our modern Avengers movies, right? Son of God. Jesus is Son of God. And that's all mixed up with Lord and Savior. And so God is pretty much a word it's good to leave to, to the theistic religions because they all have a very fixed idea of what God is. And if you, for example, there are theistic religions that if you say God is not the way they say God is, you're in trouble. You're, you will come to grief. Uh, right this moment, Sunnis and Shia Muslims seem to be intent on killing each other. And most of my peace-loving Muslim friends are at, they're hard-pressed to explain what happened because this kind of internecine, this intramural hatred inside of Islam is new. In the past, if you were Muslim, you were pretty much guaranteed hospitality under the roof, pretty much could pray together, but the difference between Sunni and Shia, which uh, when you poke around inside it, it's pretty hard to be clear about what the difference is. It's difficult. It's minor details. Whether or not you accept uh, part of a story that happened 800 years ago. Do you think it went this way? You're on this side. Did it go another way? You're on that side. And currently within the body of Islam, how you interpret it, means if you do it the other side, you're an enemy. So, be careful how you use the word God. How do you describe him? You better be real clear, because a lot rides on it. So what do the Buddhists do? Are we atheistic? No, we are not. There's lots of talk about devas in Buddhism. So what's a deva? Well, I'm looking at one right now. There's a deva flying down through our stained glass window, uh, with making an offering with lots of beautiful ribbons and flowers. And over here, on the one closest to the, to the door over there, there's a deva making music, playing on a harp, some sort of string instrument, zither maybe. And that's a deva. And what are devas? Devas are another category of beings. They're not humans, but they might have been humans in the past. They might be humans again if they lose their blessing. Devas are beings like us who 
at some point, cultivated blessings. They did a lot of good. They made others happy. They lived unselfishly. They loved to give. They were generous. They were are spiritual. They were artistic. They valued the invisible parts of life. Happiness, service, joy. Those are the parts that they paid attention to. And as a result, they when they got their next bodies, it wasn't this kind of a human body. It was a, a body with a long life, great health, beautiful environment to live in, the heavens, where you see uh, the, the mountain peaks instead of the valleys. And you have lots of advantages. The Buddhist sutras spend lots of time talking about devas. If somebody wanted to write a doctoral dissertation and picked, you know, one level of heavens, of which there are many levels, and just quoted, just worked on the quotes from the Buddha about what those heavens are like, you, you would have material for books, books and books. The Avatamsaka, our sutra, is one of those places where we get lots of details about the heavens and what it means to have the blessings of a deva. And it's so funny to be um, a recipient of this kind of information. Why? I was not born a Buddhist. I learned it secondhand. My, the Buddhism that I learned was, this, was my second religious story. My first religious story had to do with the Methodism, Protestant story, based on the Gospels and pretty mainstream Northern European. And then I learned a second set of stories, a second set of, of information about Buddhism. And, and it's a, another whole uh, body of knowledge. And so I noticed how Buddhists, people who were like born into Buddhist families, people who... Um, had these images in front of their eyes growing up, it's easier for them to go, mm-hmm, that's the way things are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been, always been that way. My parents are Buddhist. They always said it was that way. Their parents said it was that way. When I hear these things, I don't just go, mm-hmm, that's how it is. It's, I learned it second. It's kind of like learning a second language. You have the echo of the first one, and then you're presented this one. Well, one of my sensitivities was anything that, that talked about God at all, to me, was radioactive. Beep, 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 You know, if you have a Geiger counter, it's like, God. Honestly, I confess, and I know I'm being recorded, so I'm going to be held to this one. When I first walked into a Buddhist monastery, there were about a year when I didn't look at the Buddha straight on. I couldn't look at those images directly. Why? Anybody read the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not have any God before me. And what happens if you're an Israelite and you make offerings to graven images, graven idols? You fry. You're obliterated. You are zapped. You're smoked, as they say. So it's like, oh, I'm not so sure I want to look. You know, so I came in, and I was like, I kind of bowed, but I didn't really want to look at, just in case. I didn't know. I mean, what if? What if it's right? What, you know, like, don't risk it. So I spent a lot of time kind of tippy-toeing around the Buddha images for about a year. And uh, 
Then I started to look, and I, of course I was reading and listening, but when I looked up, it's like the Buddha image was pretty benign. I mean, it, I didn't get any bad vibes from it, but all the bad vibes were coming from where? For me, I brought all this fear, fear into the Buddha hall with me. For fear that, if the one story was true, I was in big trouble. Because here's a graven image, man, and I was bowing to it. Whoa, am I allowed to do this? So, the power of stories, right? So, that's what I'm saying is, We learn how to say that line. Right? So, this bodhisattva, when he is learning, when he's enrolled in the school called the Fourth Ground, he gets to be a god. You could say that, but it's a deva. If you say deva, it's neutral, right? We don't want to have radioactive brotherhood bloodbaths over how you, how you think God looks. So, if you call him a deva, we're safe. Because how does a deva look? Who knows? That's not an English word. Deva is a Sanskrit word which uh, means a person born not in a human body but in a Deva's body, another category of beings. Does that require that we bow to them or praise them? No. Not if we don't want to. What's a Deva? A Deva is kind of like, okay, how do you relate to the 1%? Do you have any friends who own a yacht? I mean, seriously, do you have any friends who like have a berth down at the marina? You do, Connie? Okay, that's good, good. Anybody else? Like, okay, good. Yacht owners? Okay, let me tell you, boats are expensive. Big boats are super expensive. If you have a boat big enough to require constant maintenance because marine environments eat away at your boat, you're in that category called the 1%. You have disposable income. All right, let me guess that. The rest of us, you ever set foot on a yacht over like 50 feet? I, I, don't, I don't think I ever had a private-owned private, private owned, you know, sailing vessel. Well, you've got to be wealthy. You've got to hire somebody who's always scraping barnacles, who's always painting, who's always got the engine tipped up. That's kind of like a deva. Okay? I mean, we know they're there. Angela? Mm. They sound more like angels to somebody raised inside that story. Well, that's interesting because they might be. They might be what we call angels. Connie? Okay, all right. From the outside, yeah. If you ask a celebrity, it's nothing like being a deva. There's not a lot of fun. Hold on one second. Be right there. Keep, keep your thought, okay? So Connie said, she, what came to her mind was celebrities. Certainly the way we regard celebrities is kind of like that, but if you ask any celebrity, it, it reads better than it lives, you know the phrase? So it's not much fun being a celebrity. You're more like a prisoner. You can't go out of your house without a disguise. So, I'm in.
You bet. Comfortable. More comfortable. Right. Okay. Good. Thank you. What's your name? Say it again. Oops. Hey, I just lost my mic. Okay. Was. Hmm. Hello. Um, we're talking about, we've got a couple seats up here in the front for somebody who's flexible. Um, Ian's point was, uh, when he heard the word deva, he, what came to mind was hill dwellers versus flats dwellers here in Berkeley. So a little closer to home here. Um, what's that like? Well, I spent two years living on Vermont Street, one street down from Grizzly Peak, right up at, the, at, at that gate at the reservoir where Berkeley meets Kensington meets Albany. And living up there, by golly, um, every afternoon from Monday to Friday at 5 p.m., the dust settles. And it settles, you can almost see it street to street. There's the noise, the smoke, the busy, the buzz recedes down the hill as folks come home park the cars, and the, the highways quiet down and the buses thin out. And by about 10 p.m., it is heavenly up there. It's very quiet and still. And it's just simply as a result of being up on the mountaintop. We're just two streets over is the peak, and it's Contra Costa County, right? So what happens? About 6 o'clock, the noise goes... 8.30, you can just feel the waves of busyness and affliction and distraction and motion all climbing up and you're in it, you know. You're in the city and then it goes back down. It's Olympian. You feel like you're on Olympus up there. And I was there living in a, a studio apartment with a two-burner hot plate. You know, I was... I was one of the. I was a flatlander living on the mountain, living on the hill. So it's just like Ian said. It's exactly what it's like. Um, so, what are we talking about? The word is blessings. 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 Not like bless you, my son. Not that kind. Blessings meaning the invisible bank account that comes as a result of doing good deeds. How do people get to be devas? Master Hua said two things. He said, hold the five precepts, do the ten good deeds. Blessings come from, he said, making other people happy. Which implies not only making yourself happy. If you do that, and happy, notice that word. If you spend your time making other people happy, if you live a virtuous, moral life, not killing, stealing, lusting, lying, and drugging yourself, and you take your body, mouth, and mind and do good benefiting people, you get blessings. Blessings come to you. You have this 
money in the bank account of good. You have what are called shangan, wholesome good, good roots. That pays off, not only in this life, but in your future life. And one of the important ways it pays off is you get a better body. Your body's better. Betty Batter got a better body, right? What kind of better body did Betty Batter get? You have to see what kind of blessings Betty Batter did. I'm making this up as I go along. You want to hear verse 2? So, nah. so, blessings are the thing that turn this body into a Davis body. So, Ian talked about what's it like living, you know, if you live in the hills, could be the Oakland Hills, could be the Santa Barbara Hills, could be Beverly Hills, which is not hills, but flat. But you know, what happens is life gets comfortable. People come to work for you, you may have a maid, you may have a driver, you may have a gardener, you may have multiple. Uh, servants isn't the polite word anymore. What's the polite word? Uh, associates, right? <laughs> yeah. Domestic associates, right? <laughs> my domestic associate, my servant. Um, and what else? You, um, you're removed. F- this is a way to measure blessings. Pain is removed from direct contact with your senses by each level of blessings you have. When your blessings are totally exhausted and zero, where do you live? You get a hell dweller's body and your senses are impacted by lethal suffering over and over. You have no insulation between lethal you know, death impact on senses that destroys your body. If you're a deva, your blessings are full. If you're a Buddha, your blessings are completely full. Your body is light. Your body is like space. There's no impact, nothing to impact. But let's say a deva is, humans are 50-50, depending on who you are. And mind you, we're way away from the text here, but I think this is fascinating. Somebody's got to write a thesis on this. And you know, let me know and I'll point you to the resources. So, the interesting sociological experiment, right? Sociological research. The comparative blessings of devas and humans. Devas and humans blessings, a comparative study. Right? Um, so, if you, um, if you come back, if you're reborn as a deva, they say... And the sutras are full of this. The sutras are the place to go to talk about this. They say that if you are hungry, food appears to you the way you like it. Hungry for hot food, you get steaming pao mian, just the way you like it. With jermayo and, you know, of course, no bufang chong, yang chong, no, no yang chong. You get, you know, ramen noodles, just perfect. If you like, ice cream, and you like, happen to like peach ice cream. It's peach ice cream, just the way you like it. And clothes. Clothes appear when your mind moves for them. Clothes appear exactly your size, exactly the color, exactly the cut that you want. And they're warm in the winter and cold, cool in the summer. That's the kind of blessings. Simple physical blessings. Food and clothing. Sleep. Dwellings are... Abundant, secure, and traveled. You get uh, these famous deva wheels, 
they're like carts, single wheels. They're like, um, what is it? Not a chariot, no, a two-wheeled chariot that you ride on when you, what are they called? What do policemen ride? Around the mall. Segway. They're just like, Deva's carts are like Segway. Only fancier, the latest model. And you go from here to, you know, the other end of heaven. So, seriously, now here's, that seems kind of quaint. Here's a very fascinating way that the sutra describes life in the heavens. Believe it or not, and if the answer is not, I'll show you where it says it. Even though you're born in the heavens, warfare may not be over. You might still have to serve as a soldier. I don't know about females in combat. A Devi might have to do it too. But why do you go to war in the heavens? Because the Asuras, which is another category of beings, Asuras are always challenging the Devas for control of the heavens. Not the Suyama heaven that appears in our verse tonight, but up to the second level, the Triastrimsha, which is according to the sutras where God on high, Lord God, the Christian Jewish God lives. So you can, it says, you can be a deva. You're living in the heavens as a god, deva, and you're still, you still have to go fight. But what are your weapons like? Your weapons involve psychic abilities. Now, anybody who has seen recent uh, Hollywood blockbuster superhero films like The Avengers, what was the latest one last year? It's got you know all these characters coming together on common cause. Sounds a lot like that, and it's funny that the best of science fiction fantasy is edging closer to how the Buddha described it. But you have psychic abilities, so much so, excuse me, that Lord God, whose name is Chakra, Chakra Devanam Indra, has a special trick that appears in the Abhatamsaka Sutra which is the Asuras, these titans, come charging up and they are fierce fighters. They have their weapons and Chakra shows his psychic abilities and he appears in front of each and every Asura soldier. And in his appearance, he, he is huge in size. He grows to multiple feet tall. He has many, many arms and each arm has a Vajra pestle, think uh, semi-automatic repeating field rifle, right? Think, think of the Vajra pestle. He's got this atomic weapon, and his eyes bug out, and they shoot lightning bolts, and he's got fangs coming out of his teeth, like that. And he appears through the power of his psychic abilities as if he is heading directly towards each individual Ashura soldier. So every soldier sees Lord Chakra bearing down on him with all this force and lightning bolts coming out of his eyes, and they go, ha, I'm not messing with that. They turn around and run away. So it says in the sutra. And it's totally a sham. It's just a mock. It's, it's done with smoke and mirrors. So that's the power of Lord Chakra. They fight with their psychic powers. Now, does he really fight? I'm sure he does if he has to. But that's one of his psychic abilities in order to manifest, uh, to keep Peace in heaven. So how interesting. Right? I mean, that's an interesting story. When you think, how did, God, how did Davis fight 
when they go to war in the heavens? Read the Avatamsaka Sutra. You'll find out. One more. There is some, there's a, a function of the blessings in the Triastremsha heaven whereby there's a drum. There's a tiengu. There's a drum in the heavens. And the sutra says this drum appears there completely as a result of the blessings of the gods, the devas. What does that drum do? It's got two functions. It goes boom, boom, boom. When it's time to go listen to the sutra lecture on a Saturday night at the Berkeley Monastery. Who knows? Maybe subconsciously you all heard this boom, boom. Oh, I've got to go. Man. You know, barbecue? No, no, no. It's, uh, we had that on 4th of July. It's time to go listen to the sutra. Boom, boom. Not the fireworks? No, 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 no. It's the sutra. Boom. So you come to the Berkeley Monastery. The other time it goes boom, boom, boom is when the Asuras are coming to fight. It's a war drum and it's a Dharma drum. So Master Sheng Yen named his monastery Dharma drum. That's the drum. That's where that came from. Fagu. It's a drum that tells all the devas in that second level of heaven time to go to war because here they come. Their chariots have been seen at the gate and they're on their way. So pick up your psychic pestle and come fight with the Asuras. And if it's not a wartime, it's come listen to the Dharma. How interesting, right? And it's the Shensho chapter, the worthy leader chapter. Gives the Dharma on the, the Dharma drum. What is it? Blessings of the Devas. All right, one more weirdo. This is a gee whiz. I don't have proof of this. But how could it be that that 1% that we were talking about, the ones who have, you know, a million and a half dollar house up on Olympus Way, over here in the hills, just above uh, the Cal football stadium, um, or on Grizzly Peak, or just over there, how come those folks in their life had enough in the bank to write that check for the down, pot, the, the down payment and the... And the, the uh, the rental, the monthly rental. Could it be that when they ran out of blessings in the heavens, they came back as a human with some of their blessings intact? They didn't lose it all at once. They came back as humans, but they still had a portion of their deva blessings left, which allowed them to be somehow more blessed more comfortable, more insulation than 99% of the rest of us? Could it be? Could you see Bill Gates as a deva, fallen, a fallen deva? Maybe, something like that. You know, we don't want to pick on Bill Gates, poor Bill Gates. But Warren Buffett, you know, some of our conspicuously wealthy Americans. Could be, could be. Yes, sir? So when you say that people that are really rich are devas that have fallen, can they build their blessings up and become devas again? So Kevin's question was, say that, I said, think about that. Could that be possible? Notice how I said that. It's an idea. Why? Because I don't know. An interesting idea, how that might be. We're, we're experiencing some sort of funny... Is it the battery? But there's two bars. 
You would think it was the battery, but yeah, there's two. Okay. So maybe. Now, Kevin's question was, if they lose their blessings, can they cultivate them back? Yes. And according to our teacher's explanation, that's what we all do. He would say, we've been there before. And he said, I've been everything. The difference is, I remember, and you've all forgotten. Interesting concept, isn't it? So, um, now, (laughs) I keep saying that's it, but there's one more fascinating list. Deva, Deva lore is amazing stuff because it's so like, I kind of, yeah, I can see that. Maybe because we've seen it all in movies or read about it in fiction. But, okay, when you are a Deva and your blessings are about to expire, there are five signs of your blessings going bad. You have a clue that you're about to fall. Now, are these all Buddhists who talk about it? No. You ever hear about the Götterdämmerung in uh, German mythology, the death of the gods? Wagner, the great opera writer, composer, writes about the death of the gods, and there's, you know, he sings about the death of the gods. So lots of cultures talk about the tragedy of a deva coming back down and switching realms, like moving from uh, Grizzly Peak down to like 4th Street, you know, down here with the rest of us, down at Ground Zero, Berkeley. Um, they, they talk about that, and there are clues. One thing, this is, the, the sociology here is fabulous. One is, Deva's flower crowns start to wilt. You go, flower crowns? Yeah, apparently Deva's wear hats made of flowers. How about that? And so their flower crowns start to wilt. Um, This is, you know, what associations do you have in your mind? People think of Indians' war bonnets. You ever see a Sioux war chief in full regalia? You know, you think cowboys and Indians, right? And there's this big feather thing. If you've seen one, Plains Indians have these, a Sioux, a full full blast Sioux war bonnet is awesome. You, only the chief wears that? Okay. Iroquois. Iroquois Indian chieftains wear flower crowns and leaves. My friend Doug, Doug Canantillo, who is the, he's a Mohawk, Doug George, he's got he is sometimes aware his, it's been given to him. He's now qualified to wear it. He's old enough. He's got enough st- superior status. It's made of leaves and bark and twigs and flowers. It's kind of funny looking, to tell you the truth. But it's a sign of great honor. And only the, the head man, I don't think women wear it, but the women are above the men, interestingly enough. But the men, if he's the head chief, he'll wear that. And I was thinking... If we think Deva are the most natural, this is not supernatural. This is not unnatural. This is natural plus what a Deva is. It's nature, like Google plus, it's nature plus to be a Deva. You've got so much blessings in nature at a level we usually don't get. So, seeing Native Americans as closer to the Devas, more natural, 
So the Iroquois chiefs wear these flower crowns. Not wilted, right? I don't know. Idea. It's just an idea. So, one, your flower crowns wilt. Number two, your armpits start to sweat. (laughs) I kid you not. One of the five signs of decay is devas start to emit a foul odor, and their bodies have never done that. There's no deodorant in the heavens. No need. Johnson & Johnson does no business in the heavens because their bodies are spontaneously fragrant. But when your blessings start to go, you notice, oh, I've got to go shower, you know. Your body starts to sweat. So I'll let, I won't go into the other three. They're kind of gross, but, you, you know. So, how interesting. This is all Avatamsaka Sutra talking about the state of devas. All right? So, here's our bodhisattva. Oh, one more thing. Master Hua said, why do Buddhists say, don't want to be reborn in the heavens? Don't go there. It's never in the Dharma do you find somebody say, oh, I hope you're reborn in heaven at the right hand of chakra. Why? You're still mortal. Exactly Kevin's question. You're still mortal. You're still on the wheel. You're heading towards another rebirth. It's just, it's a better class of hotel. Right? It's a five star instead of a two star. You're not down at the end of University Avenue. You're, you know in the penthouse at the Hilton. But it's still a hotel. You get your body, you live your blessings, they go away, you're back. And if you don't cultivate, and here's with a fact, he said, when you're in the heavens, what's it like? It's really comfortable, man. It's really, really nice. You know, you might save up for two weeks in the Bahamas, and that's it for a year. You know, those two weeks when you stay at the Atlantis, and that's it. Then you're back to, back to the grind, back to the traffic jam on the way to the bridge. You know. When you're in the heavens, it's like that all the time, but you forget to cultivate. It's so comfortable, you never meditate. It's so comfortable, you forget to give. It's so comfortable, you, don't, you have to hear the, the heavenly drum to go hear the Dharma, and you say, nah, I'm going to go watch baseball. You know, instead. A bum, he was out. What do you mean that's a third strike? That's Saturday night. So you forget to cultivate and your bank account of blessings goes away. You're back down. Hello, I'm back down on the flats. Time to cultivate again. So Master Hua would say, being a human is not such a bad deal because why? The pain of having a body that gets old, gets sick, and dies, reminds you to cultivate. So we cultivate because we're face-to-face with planes that almost land. Can you imagine being on an 11-hour flight from Seoul, Korea, your feet from the ground, and your plane crashes? Right? We had a plane crash today at SFO. The last two minutes of the flight, plane crashed. And... Imagine the terror of having your plane not land the way it's supposed to, but they, the, the, they're only now investigating, but they think that perhaps the pilot picked the nose up because it was too low coming in, and somehow 
the tail hit first and it broke up and burned. So imagine being a deva and then realizing I'm back. I'm back. As a human, we go, this is not great. Not so great to have your plane crash. Maybe I better cultivate. Maybe I better focus on helping other people. Maybe I better look beyond myself and what's comfortable and nice and what I like and make something comfortable and nice and likable for others. And guess what? Your bank account of blessings starts to pile up again. In your next life, you're up on Grizzly Peak. In the next life, you're born in the heavens. They described it as musical chairs from realm, Dharma realm to Dharma realm. Connie? Who in the world could hear your voice when you talk that quietly? You just said, you know, um, giving, giving, and um, doing, making peace, of cultivating blessings. But then, then again, it's really difficult too. And I don't know. I guess you just have to. Okay. 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 Yeah, you're thinking. That's all right. Thinking is good. We, I'm, I can see you're processing. That, that's what I want. Okay. So back to our suit. Do we have a fresh battery there, Yanya? Maybe uh, Jerry just got some. It, yeah, when I leave forward, it goes away. That's funny. Okay. Okay, all right. Let's see how that works. Oh, you got the two greens. The wrong mic. You have to have green and red. There you go. We solved it. We were confusing the poor head of the, uh, the amp. He was getting confused. Okay, so um, our bodhisattva dwelling here is mostly a Suyama heaven king. He's got the blessings. She's got the blessings for that level the fourth, the third level out of six of the desire heavens. In the Suyama heaven, what's neat about that Suyama heaven? It's taller than the sun and the moon. There's no light there. So the deva's bodies emit light. Imagine being a deva and the source of illumination is your own nature. How interesting. Real blessings. 
And what about that? Yu fa zi zai zhong suo zun. Yu fa zi zai. To be, um, to have complete sovereignty, to be the boss of all dharma. Dharmas. All kinds of practices. You know what this means? You're a really good meditator. You meditate for the best. You can do pranayama, breath meditation. You can do hatha yoga. You can do karma yoga. You can do jnana yoga. You can do raja yoga. You can do Ayurveda. You're a master of all the dharmas. And if you think of dharmas as methods, what else? You know the teachings. What is it in the Sharangama? You got it at your fingertips. What is it about the, the Deva, the, the Lotus Sutra? You got it right there. Why? You are Tsudzai, Ishvara. You are the boss of all dharmas. And, Chung So Zun, people respect you. People respect you. Um, we had an experience today. We, a, a large number of us, including many folks who are here today, tonight, went down to the Redwoods in Santa Cruz to clean garbage. We clean garbage. I had a lot of thoughts about that. And face to face with the garbage in the woods, I don't know how you all saw it. Many of us were there. It was a defilement. As I was picking up the trash bags full of somebody else's throwaway containers, tin cans, bottles, bleach containers, toothbrushes, I thought, people are a blight. This shouldn't be here. It was wrong to have bits of colored plastic on top of the redwood needles. It was, it's kind of like, you know, we're, we're so used to um, when we uh, defecate or urinate, we pull the handle and it, it goes away. The water washes it away, right? We're not confronted with the wastes that our body produces day to day. That's part of being civilized is you take care of your own waste products, right? Even if you live in a farm, you go over to the outhouse where there's a trench dug and you go in there and it stinks for a bit and you drop some lye or some uh, uh, lime into the trench so it doesn't smell so bad and you close the door and you go back out to where you live. It's, it's isolated over there and you close the lid and it's, you do your best to prevent it from interfering with the rest of your house or life where you try to keep it clean and sanitary. Somebody took their human waste and dumped it under the trees, dumped it on the ground under the trees and walked away. All right, let somebody else take care of it. I'm out of here. And I was just contemplating how, how defiled that act was. It didn't belong there. It didn't belong there. And so... Somebody else has to come along and pick it up. And we picked up uh, 40 cubic yards of it. It's the largest dumpster. How much, what did that thing weigh, Nam, when it was fully, when it was full? Would you guess? 10 to 15 tons of garbage. 
And there were 40 people there working. It took us all morning. And that will be, you know, hauled out of there and put in what we call a dump, which is where people put their stuff. But there's a way to do it that says, I am aware of my body in the world. And there's a way to do it that says, I am unaware of my body in the world. There's a way to do it that's graceful, which is kind of connected to other people who share the space and the space itself, not only other species. And there's a way to do it that is broken from others and broken from the nature around you and that doesn't care about the impact. Not responsible. And who would do it in a way that was mindful and responsible? You'd say an adult, maybe? Uh, somebody who is awake more? Who would do it the other way? you say a child. Someone who is not responsible. And when a child spits up their Cheerios, <laughs> dumps their, their peas on the floor, the, the adults go, well, they're, they're two, or they're one. That's what they do. But when somebody who's 40 or 50, somebody old enough to drive a dump truck, old enough to cash a check, you know, goes and does it on, on nature. I wanted to apologize to the Redwoods down there. I wanted to say, we're not all like this, you know. Now, do the Redwoods care? Nah. Come on, uh, this is my dis- super discrimination, right? This is clean, that's dirty. But all you had to do was look. And there was something not right, something that needed to be done. When you look at it, you think, mm, i got to clean that up. Because it was filthy. It was, it was clean garbage. It was just somebody's, you know, garbage. The trucks carried away on the street every, every week. But it shouldn't have been put under the redwoods. And so we went down there and we had the cooperation of neighbors, local neighbors who live there. Their homes are there. They see this trash. And uh, one uh, woman whose, whose name I didn't get said, um, she said, I, that you came down, she said, is a blessing because we take pride in our neighborhood and this hurts, she said. We take pride in our neighborhood. And I thought that word, pride, how can you be proud of children who dump their peas on the floor? Or who smear their excrement on the wall of the house? That's, you don't, you're not proud of that, you, co- you cover it. You, know, or you, you apologize for it, or you clean it up. So, when someone who is a social child or asleep behaves in a way that we want to we can't be can't go to sleep until it's cleaned up you go man there's a there's a different world view at work um line three pu hua chun sheng chu jian Everywhere this bodhisattva goes, hua, he teaches, he changes is the word, teaches beings to chu, 
to get rid of, to expel their wrong, evil, harmful points of view, viewpoints, ways of seeing the world. That's what this Bodhisattva does, is he wants beings, chun, it means multitudes, beings, to see things differently. Your body might be 40 years old, but if you take land that belongs to everybody and dump your trash on it to the tune of tons of trash and then walk away from it, thinking, <laughs> got over on them. We're done. You know, put money in your pocket for that. There's, there's an evil view there. Why? Somebody's got to come behind you. Somebody's got to do it, set it right. That's not right, you know. It's wrong. And the, uh, the word that popped out today, I don't know if everybody was saying this word, but when I met the local folks, I said, you know, this is not righteous. This is unrighteous. I'm going, not right. This is unrighteous. So, thinking about that, how long will it take somebody who dumps trash on other people's ground how long will it take them to get to the, the, the Deva's realm? If you not only don't make people happy, but you make people unhappy, if you not only increase, you not only don't increase blessings, but you cash in your blessings for a little bit of money, maybe a little bit of profit, you dump stuff under trees that will sit there for years. Some of the stuff that was there since 1999 that other people have to pick up, what happens to your bank account of blessings? Man, You're trashing your blessings along with that trash. You will not get to the heavens for a while, a while longer. Not that you need to go to the heavens, but think about it. How do you get to the heavens? Make people happy. Benefit others. Do the five precepts and the ten, ten good deeds. Avoid five broken precepts, greed, anger, and delusion, and the ten evil deeds. And you get to be a, this body. I, I miss all these facts about the devas. Their lifespan is longer. Devas live a long time. Their bodies are big and pure and strong and long-lived and healthy and blessed. They look a lot like fill in your favorite movie star. I, I couldn't do that. You'd laugh at me. You're never up to speed. If I said, you know, Angelina Jolie, everybody has a different thought now, right? If I said Tom Cruise, ever since he jumped on the couch, we go, no, 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 no. He's short, you know, he's really short. Yeah. So uh, who do you fill in? Oh, okay. Connie. Blake Lively won what? Oh, she looks like a Deva? Devas look like Blake Lively? Okay, I don't know. Everybody go home and Google Blake Lively. Check it out. Uh, how about the men's side? Come up with a name. It'll be... George Clooney, too old. George Clooney is last year's Deva. Sorry. Try again. Marcello Mastriani. He was last generation's Deva, right? Not any longer. We age, these bodies. Anybody got a, a better name? The new Superman, but we forget his name. So... Superman, let's just do this. Let's do the icon. Never mind the the poor suffering human who is probably like, you know, running from paparazzi, 
you know, has to has a, live in a secret address. He can't send an email to friends because people hack his email. If, you know, being a celebrity is no fun. Okay, anyway. In, he teaches many beings to expel their evil views. What else? What does he do? Look at what a bodhisattva does who lives as a deva with all those blessings. He, juan means specializes in, xiu, cultivating, I'm sorry, seeking, xiu, seeking the Buddha's wisdom. That's the compass bearing that he is on. He, xiu shanye, cultivates good karma, wholesome karma. There it is. That's right up front, isn't it? Good karma. One of the solutions today that we had, we, we had a big group, group meeting under the Redwoods after lunch. We all sat around in a big circle and tossed in ideas about what to do. What are the solutions? And one of the most interesting ones that came up, we went from all the way from calling the federales in, which is not going to work, uh, to putting like, permanent concrete barriers so nobody can drive. And they what about the fire trucks? That's a fire road. No. To uh, uh, putting up, we definitely have to put up no dumping, you know, county ordinance, something, 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 Santa Cruz. And then somebody said, put up a sign that says, sacred Buddhist land. I thought that was a very interesting idea. And somebody said, no, Dharma Realm Buddhist Association. We said, too long. Who's that? That doesn't cut any ice. That's not going to. But sacred Buddhist land. Bad karma if you dump here. <laughs> sacred what? Keep it, clean for Keep it clean for blessing. You want to go to the heavens? Dot dot dot. Question mark. Right. Okay, Ian. Violators will be shot from very far away. Right. Snipers installed and ready. You think? Well, if these are meth heads and we think they are, that's probably the language to speak. So, do you teach with a carrot or do you teach with a stick? That's the question. And somebody had a compromise. They said, you know, get, aren't there lots of scary Buddhist devas who like, you know, and... You put one of those faces on there, and on, on the sign, sacred Buddhist land. Defile at your peril, you know. They can't be too, these folks maybe not have gotten out of high school. So peril, that's one of those 50 cent words. You know, bad juju. And we can say something like that. Smile, okay, now. Someone said, someone said, put a surveillance camera up. Made of plastic, Right? No, no wire, no cable. Show a camera and let people, you know, smile your uncandid camera. Now, somebody said, put a real one up. And they said, no, 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 that'll be stolen and sold in a week. That'll, that'll be turned into meth. Kevin had his hand up. Yes, sir. The, the tofu gun, how did the, I missed part of that. It was in Italian and I didn't get all of the humor there. Mount a tofu gun and shoot it. Was that was it? That's a different issue, and I thought so. He said, cho dofu. It, that would really scare him if it's stinky dofu. Okay, he was going to get dofu instead of a gun. So. Wasn't 
They said, Yes. Yes. It's yeah. It was actually in Oakland. It was uh, a neighborhood in Oakland near Casa de Paz. Uh, and I want to tell the story correctly, and I don't have all the details. We read it here. It was one of our stories at night, where um, the uh, somebody remember the details. It was there was a somebody start took a, a turnaround in a neighborhood in Fruitvale. And they built a garden. They put a garden in, and the garden kept getting trashed. And people would, you know, just, they dumped on it. And they started dumping trash. And then one guy put a, a Buddha altar. And every day came out, it was just a simple image, and put flowers in front of it and removed the trash but put a Buddha altar there. And uh, this is a wild, woolly neighborhood where, you know, you travel at your own peril. And uh, pretty soon, more flowers appeared, and then people started to clean around it, and then they planted flowers around it, and the whole neighborhood began to gather and protect the Buddha image. And it became sacred ground just automatically. Yeah, that was a good, interesting story. So... Different solutions, the carrot or the stick. And pretty much what we came up with was we posted it. So legally, somebody has to go past the sign that says no dumping here and no hunting, etc. But we're going to try to, we're going to pick up on the sacred Buddhist land idea and get some nice signs and be prepared to make a couple of them because the first couple will be shot down you know, by shotguns. But if we can get some good signs painted that look really nice, it could be the pride of the neighborhood. And everybody driving by on Highway 9 will blink their lights and toot their horn. You know, hey, sacred Buddhist land. I like that. That's probably the most effective thing instead of trying to keep people out is to raise community awareness. But, uh, so that's, we've, we've been talking about heaven and defilement of what could be sacred land. And as I was putting trash into the dumpster, I was reflecting on the redwoods as a temple, you know, as a, not a monastery, a shrine. How do you get something more holy than a living being that has stood there for 2,000 years? Those are sacred objects all by themselves, Buddha or not. Those redwoods are the oldest living things, folks. <laughs> right? Master Hua bought, he didn't eat except once a day. He fasted 23 hours a day all his life so that the wealth that came to him, the material wealth, he preserved pieces of land. He preserved the oldest living things which are redwood trees. What's more sacred than something that has been here all this time? Those redwoods are so special, they're so tall, that their roots can't pull water high enough to irrigate them more than halfway, so they 
have a special system that pulls water out of the clouds to irrigate the tops. How about that? That's why they only live in this tiny belt on the California coast up to Oregon. Because it's foggy enough for them to, to drink out of the sky. Those trees drink from the heavens. How about that? I mean, you know, that's pretty special. And yet we... First thing we did when we got there was we looked at the corpse of a giant first growth, which we have about four of on our property. And it's a tree that is as big as the first four rows here, cut. The stump is there. It was there when Jesus walked. And around it is this ring of four or five second growths that have been there for 200 years, probably almost as old as America. And now they're 200 feet tall. And there you go. That's holy. And we, we're so puny, you know. We are really sad humans. We don't see it. So, um, what occurred to me was, let's see, we need to go for, can we finish tonight? Turn over, 28, 29. The Bodhisattva diligently increases the power of vigor, acquires samadhis and so forth, numbering in the hundred millions. If he uses the power of vows and wisdom to enact them, it exceeds that number by amounts one cannot know. Okay, four-stage bodhisattva gets samadhi. Samadhis are one of the goals of Buddhist cultivation. Samadhis produce wisdom. Samadhi and wisdom are the hand, the palm of the hand and the back of the hand. Samadhi is a, you could say, kind of an accelerated state of consciousness or a refined state of consciousness. It's a state of They say stillness and purity. You're very still, you're very pure, but you're still impure the way... Did anybody growing up have a a, um, gyroscope? One of my best toys was a gyroscope. My dad brought one home once, and it was very very simple. It was a steel frame about this big, and it had a perfectly balanced wheel in it, and you took a a string, just a regular old piece of white string, and you wrapped it around and went... Pulled the string and the gyroscope and you set it down and it would stand up like a top. But the wheel inside was spinning very fast. And as soon as the wheel stopped spinning, tonk, fell over. Then you tied the string on it and went gyroscope top, they called it. But it was made of metal and it was really fine. And I loved it because it was precise and it was kind of heavy and substantial. And it did magic, which was stood up on its own, as long as the wheel was spinning. And the thing about that wheel was, uh, Alan, are you, are you crossed up in full lotus there? Can you stand up? Are, are can you get me the prayer wheel in front of Manjushri here? Thanks. It's the, the silver, the, the gold, bronze, yeah. That one. All right. The gyroscope was something like this. Thank you, Alan. This is Manjushri Bodhisattva's prayer wheel, but we're borrowing it for the illustration. 
Okay, watch this. It did something like that, only way faster, and it was very fine and refined. And when the and notice this has handles, it doesn't have a string. If that had a string and you just went like that, you whipped the string and it spun the gyroscope inner wheel. And as a result, notice, this just goes and goes and goes. So, um, samadhi is something like that. You're still in quiet, but there's something there that's spinning very quickly. The rotor of your dharma wheel, your internal dharma wheel, is moving very... Right? It's... It's this. Sorry. There you go. That's what it sounds like when your inner samadhi is working. It seems still and quiet, but it's moving very fast. And it settles in, it goes like that. And it just, you know, keeps on spinning. So, the Bodhisattva acquires those samadhis by the hundreds of millions. And, check this out. If the Bodhisattva makes vows, special vows, they multiply. What would that be like? Where did the pure land of the West, Sukhavati, Jila Shirjiya, where did that come from? It came from a bodhisattva who made special vows. When I become a Buddha in the future, I want to create a land where there's no suffering whatsoever. I want to create a land where the ground is made of yellow gold, where the Buddha or the birds speak the Dharma, where there are eight waters of merit and virtue, said somebody. Somebody who said, I want to live in that place in the future. I really do. And voila. It came about. So, in other words, what this says is there are bodhisattvas who make special vows and others don't. And that's fine, but some do. And if they do, their results are even more sublime. Better yet. More better. Last one. Rushi Pusa Di Su Di So Xing Qing Jing Wei Miao Dao as it is upon the fourth Bodhisattva's ground, the purified, subtle, and wonderful path cultivated there, its merit, virtue, and interactions of aspiration and wisdom, I have already proclaimed now for the disciples of the Buddha. Says Vajra Treasury Bodhisattva, And he takes a break because he's been speaking this ground for quite a while. But he's not even halfway home. He has six more to go. Can we turn over? Let's start number five, just to get, get us to, to prime the pump.
to get the wheel spinning, right? Okay, I'll give you the chant, and you give it back here. Uh, this is this is the the chant. It begins with the chant, and then it goes down to the the prose over on the next page. Pusa wansu shang di hang. Your turn. Pusa wansu shang di hang. Yu fa jie wu xin huan xi. Kong zhong yu hua zan tan yen. Shan zai da shi jin gang zang. 31, here we go. Together in unison. The bodhisattvas, hearing the supreme practices of that ground, awoke to the Dharma and were delighted. They scattered flowers in the air and exclaimed in praise, Good indeed, great being, O treasury of Vajra. The Bodhisattva, hearing the supreme practices of the fourth ground, the Bodhisattvas, the, the ones gathered around, awoke to the Dharma. The uh, verb is jiewu, that's to enlighten. They got enlightened to the Dharma. And they were very happy. Wow, they said. They took flowers in the air, things as beautiful as these. Look at those. And went like that. As uh, this one is doing, right there. And exclaimed in praise, good indeed, great being, Vajra treasury, Bodhisattva. Thank you for telling us about the fourth ground, they say. All right. The guy who makes these puts aircraft bearings, aircraft propeller ball bearings in there. That's how it turns so smoothly and Time to transfer the merit. Let's do that together. The official count is that two people died and a hundred went to the hospital. One, when we began the lecture tonight, one was still missing. So... Yes, thank you. I got it. People know that from uh, week to week, being uh, inordinately pleased with my musical instruments, I mention Mary Rose and others. So I wanted you to know that the, the hands that created Mary Rose belong to the man sitting over there in the corner. So this is Fabrizio.
in, uh, in the heavens, all the devas are shown playing musical instruments, and somebody has to make them. <laughs> there are luthiers in the heavens, too. So, so we can uh, use our... Imagine, now, that being said, imagine if you could use your body like a musical, your body and mind, as tuned as something that makes a sound like this. Imagine if that was your mind. And reliably, every time you plucked the strings of your mind, it went... That much in harmony. Wouldn't that be wonderful? So, bodhisattvas are tuning up their own body, mouth, and mind as musical instruments. So please make a wish for your musical instrument of your merit and virtue and send it off as notes to the larger harmony. this guitar sounded wonderful. Boy, boy. It sounded so loud, and uh, I don't know if it was the, a function of the uh, silence down there, but it did not need amplifying, and there were almost as many people there as there are here tonight. 